So it will be our first granddaughter. So we, we're very excited about that. Amen. God is good, is he not? Okay. That song we sang, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I'm a child of God. I love that song. But I want to ask you, are you sure you're a child of God? Thank you. Hallelujah. i got one yes. Hallelujah. Okay. You, folk, I want to encourage you. You have to be sure inside. You know like you know that you're a child of God. Don't let the devil put a doubt in you. If you're not sure, we would love to stand with you and pray with you later to bring that assurance. You're with me. If I ask, that all the kids are gone, so I can't ask them. And that one can't speak. That you, yeah, but your dad's not here. Okay, let me ask you this. Is Steve your dad? Yes. Okay. He knows that, no doubt, whether he's been a good child or not. Okay, and I'm not saying he hasn't been. But he knows Steve is his dad. It's just like you have to know in your heart, God is my father. Not depending on what I've done and my behavior. No, I'm a child of God. God is my father. Amen. Please settle that. Because that is the foundation from which we go forward and from everything we do. Amen. I do want to bring a word that my wife had for you as a church. I want to do it now, just in case we don't have time at the end. I'm going to read it to you, if that's okay. Uh, I've sent it to you already. This, as she was praying for you as a church, this is what she felt. As I was sitting praying for Restoration Church, I was reminded of a song by Jason Upton. How many of you know who he is? Okay, you don't. Okay. All right. That's okay. All right. That's okay. We'll get you saved. All right. Okay. It is called, sorry, it is called Teach Me How to Pray. As with many of his songs, the end bit is one line over and over. He tends to do that in his songs. And this song says, I'm going to find a river in the middle of a desert land. A few lines earlier it says, in the streets where you live, you carry the feeling of the Father's heart. This is what I felt for you. God was going to enable you to find a river in the middle of a desert land in individual people's lives, but also in the area. I saw that just as a young river starts with a spring, for example, and then as it starts flowing, more and more tributaries are added to it. Sorry, not nervous. This, this hand's got a bit of a shake on it. All right, now you see now the paper's shaking. Oh, Lord, help me. Hang on a minute. Okay. It's called an essential tremor. So, all right. I'm not crazy. All right, okay. <laughs> I saw just as a young river starts with a spring, for example, and then it starts flowing, more and more tributaries are added to it, causing the river to flow. So at times it might not look like a river, but God is causing springs to well up inside of individuals. He's causing tributaries to be added to the life of the church. The banks of the river are being laid out through vision and God's direction, bit by bit and slowly. God is causing a river in the middle of a desert land to be established. Your hunger after God and each tear shed and each decision purposed out of a heart of, for God is adding to that river. And in time, you will begin to see the river flowing. Take courage in the day-to-day -day journey of establishing this river. We know with young children, so much happens quickly in the womb. 
There's daily change. A young baby grows so quickly learning the basics of life in the most beautiful way. We all know the joy of seeing the first smile, hearing the first laugh, the sheer delight of the first step, the leaping and catching for the first minor fall, the fullness of heart at the first word. As adults, we do not see things move so quickly. So the phase of a young church is most delightful phase and one that is to be enjoyed, albeit it is hard work. We know too well the exhaustion of a new mom when her baby is a couple of weeks old. Enjoy the season and be patient for the bigger things. Presidents started out as babies in the womb and then they had to learn to smile. And so you, as a young church, but God is with you. That's all this is about. He's busy causing things to unfold and to happen. Even the picture that Gavin had is, just says it all. I'm with you. You're with me. And take heart in that. I'm not saying it's not hard work. It is hard work. Trust me. But that's why I want to encourage you, first of all, to know that you're a child of God. Second of all, has he put you into this body, into this fellowship, into this family? Are you with me? Because together you're going to go forward. You're with me. Into all that God has purposed. There's some things you hope for but you're not seeing yet. But don't lose focus on that. And that's what I want to preach on today is faith. Because faith empowers us. Faith empowers us to trust for the impossible. And we're not yet seen. And I want to explain what that means. And so you can walk in that empowering faith. We need faith to get saved. The Bible says we are saved by faith through grace. You're with me. It's not a gift from us. It's a gift from God. And the reason faith is just believing. Believing. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. You forgave my son. And when I believe in you, put my trust in you, you'll clean me up. Amen. And put your spirit within me. That's saving faith. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about once that's been experienced. Now there's an empowering faith to endure so you can walk into all that God has for you. Amen. I just want to pray for this couple quickly. If you don't mind, just standing. When I was praying this morning, I felt God gave me a word for you as a church. And this is a word. I felt God say, tell you and Vanessa, this is a house of honor. In my eyes, I feel the Lord say, this is a house of honor. And why? Because you honor him. You honor his name. You honor the fact that it's about him. And so I feel the Lord saying, and because of humility of heart and your willingness to honor me, this will be a house of honor, and I will reveal my glory. Yeah, just as I revealed my glory when I changed the water into wine, and people came to see the reality. And because you will honor him, this will be a house of honor. And I want to encourage you in that, both of you. Just give you that. Amen. Bless you both. All right. This is what happens by faith. I sat last night and I just wrote this down. So for, forgive the little piece of paper that's torn up and whatever the case is. But this is what happens by faith. This is what the Bible says happens by faith. By faith we are redeemed. By faith we are saved. By faith we are made righteous. By faith we receive the promises of God. By faith we are strengthened. By faith we are justified. By faith we have peace with God. By faith we receive his gifts. By faith we are mutually encouraged by each other's faith. We live by faith. We receive our inheritance by faith. Every spiritual blessing we receive by faith. The universe was formed 
through faith. People made sacrifices because of their faith. The ark was built by faith. Their people moved cities and countries because of their faith. Children were conceived by faith. Um, people let go of things or they offered things up to the Lord because of their faith. The dead are raised by faith. The sick are healed by faith. The blind see by faith. Demons flee. They worship by faith. They persevered because of their faith. They passed through the Red Sea by faith. The walls came down by faith. They conquered kingdoms by faith. They administrated justice by faith. They shut the mouths of lions by faith. They walked through the fire by faith. They, um, the weakness turned to strength because of their faith. They won battles by faith. Individuals were tortured because they refused to let go of their faith. They refused the pleasures of sin because of their faith. Uh, they endured prison and chains. They walked into their dreams and promises of God. And they know that they are loved and forgiven and accepted by faith. So I think faith is important. What would you say? It's very important. So just understanding something of faith and the empowering faith. So turn with me in your Bibles, please, if you can, to Romans chapter 4. Is Hannah here? Hannah's not here. Hey. All right. I have a word for her as well. Ma. All right. Romans chapter 4. Uh, where's that lady that did the singing? Is she here? Oh, sorry. I'm picking on you again. I'm so, I can't help it. Just stand here and it comes to me. So I feel like. You were in South America for a while, is that correct? Um, I feel like something might have happened there. It's had impact in your life, and I feel God say, I'm going to set you free from that. I'm going to heal you from that. And you will know if it's true or not. I feel it like weighs on you sometimes. and I just feel like God saying, tell her that cease him. Amen. All right. All right, Romans chapter 4. If we can go, this is an amazing piece of scripture, Romans 4. It's about the father of faith, Abraham, and Paul is writing to the Roman church and explaining about justification and righteousness, and then he gets into the whole aspect of faith, how Abraham was justified by faith. Verse 16 says, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it might be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. That's you and I. Verse 17 says, And it is written, I made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. God gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they are. Now that's an encouraging scripture. God calls things that are not as though they are. So he's already called your future. But you haven't seen it yet. But he's called it. Amen. He calls them. As, as not as though they are. That's the beautiful thing about God. He's gone way ahead of us. Against all hope, Abram in, in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it should say to him, so shall your offspring be. It's an interesting fact with Abram. Abram, you know, couldn't conceive a child, or his, him and Sarah, and his name was Abram, and then he became Abraham. That means father of many nations. So the, God said to him, I'm changing your name from that to that. Changing your name to father of any nations, many nations. But he hadn't conceived one child yet. 
So God is calling something that hasn't really happened, but he's declaring it. You with me? And Sarah couldn't have kids. She was barren. She was a little old, if you understand what I'm saying. But God says that doesn't matter. In her barrenness, she produced. And out of one man, a whole nation came forth. And the whole book of Genesis is the unraveling of that. God speaking to one man, and at the end of Genesis, there's 75 of them. And he's busy building a nation. And so God gives you promises as a church and calls them into being, although you haven't actually seen them yet. But the empowering faith, our belief at what God said, enables us to hang in there and trust and to walk into it. You with me? All right, that's what we want to talk on. So let's carry on reading. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old. Hmm, I'm not quite there. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded. If you've got a Bible, underline that. If you've got an iPhone, I don't know what you do. (laughs) Do something. Being fully persuaded, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. So the Bible says that Abraham faced the fact that he was not able to do what God had said. So he didn't deny it. It's not like Christian science, that when you hurt yourself, they say, just pretend it's not there. No, you've got to face the fact of the reality of where you're at. But don't look at that fact. Put your faith in what God has said. This couple believed God called them to plant a church. It's not easy work. It doesn't always flourish like you wanted to flourish in the beginning. But it's their faith of what God has said that called them to do what they're doing and to persevere. You with me? Folk, it's very key because your circumstances around you will be different to what God has said to you. What your eyes see and what your ears hear will not line up with what God has said. Now I have a choice to make. What am I going to focus on and look at? What God has said or what my eyes see and my ears hear? Hello, you with me? And when I give my attention to what God has said, that empowers me inside. That gives me the energy and the sustenance to stand under some tough circumstances and to say, no, God has promised this. God has said this. God said to Michelle and I, if I've told the story, please stop me, please. Michelle, God said to Michelle and I in 1988, we had nothing, we still have nothing, but anyway, <laughs> in terms of material wealth, um, I'm going to send you to the nations. I didn't even know it was in the Bible. I'm just being honest. But that's what I felt. So I told Michelle, and she said, yes, I agree. I think that's going to happen. We were living in South Africa. We had no money. We were earning a 1,000 rand a month, which is equivalent to today's money about, I don't know, what's 13 to 1? What's 13 in 1,000? I don't know. $130 a month. 
then. And, uh, but God said, but we had nothing. God said, I'm going to send you to the nations. And then I, I was uh, talking to a, a man that was unsaved at the moment, but God was drawing him. And he phoned me one day. This was, but I had in my heart to go to Taiwan. I just felt God said, go to Taiwan. But we had nothing. So this man phoned me. I didn't tell anybody. This man phoned me and said, listen, Ken, I just want to ask you some more questions. So I said, sure, let's meet for coffee. So we went and met for coffee down in a coffee shop down in South Africa. And when we finished the meeting, he opened his jacket pocket and he pulled out a brown papered envelope. And he said, this is for you. Open it when you get home. So I didn't know what was in it. I thought, maybe it's more questions. And when I got home, it was 10,000 rand. So I phoned him and I said, gee, thank you very much. He said, I don't know why, but I felt I needed to give it to you. That happened to us time and time and time again. We felt we needed to go to India. And we were renting a house. And on the side of the house was a little uh, apartment that was part of the house, if you understand what I'm saying. And there was a young man that lived there. And every morning, I used to hear this young man. He used to park his car on the road like that. And I used to hear him push his car. And he used to hear him go, huh, 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 huh. Then you'd jump in it and it would go. And you would park it like that because that's the way he started it. So we invited him over for dinner one night. And uh, we were just, he's a Christian. And we were just talking. And we had some dinner and whatever. And he asked us some questions. And then Michelle and I said, well, we're just believing we're going to go to India, etc." We didn't say much about it. Next morning at 6.30, he knocked on my door. I opened the door and he said, yeah, this is for you and Michelle. So I said, what's that? He said, no, this is for you and Michelle. So I opened it. It was money to go to India. But I know that he had been saving to buy a new car. That money was his new car. It was very humbling to take it. So every morning when we came back from India, I heard him pushing the car down the road. And it was very humbling to say, Lord, thank you. This man sacrificed and just continues to push his car down the road to get it started. That's the way God provides. He uses, but we believed that that would happen. We've now had the privilege, I'm not saying because of us, it's just the goodness of God, that's all I'm trying to say, to be able to travel to, I don't know, 25, 30 nations. How much in my savings account? Zero. Hallelujah. But the Lord, my Father in heaven, is beyond rich than rich than anybody on the face of this earth. Amen. So what he has said, he will do. Now let me ask you a question. How does faith come? Hearing. So faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17. So the most important thing we can do is hear what God is saying. Because faith comes by hearing. Then you've got to take that and focus on it so it becomes cemented in you. You with me? So when God has said to you as a church, this is what I promised for you down the line, take that and focus on that. Don't focus on the circumstances or even on a Sunday meeting that possibly doesn't go well. Or when the musicians are struggling. They didn't struggle this morning. They did a great job. But sometimes they struggle. You know what I mean? They're off key. or Vanessa's always off key. But I'm, I'm teasing. Okay. Or whatever. You cannot focus on that stuff. They're doing the best they can. You and Vanessa are doing the best they can. Focus on what God has said to you individually and collectively as a church.
Give that attention. That's what I'm trying to say. And whatever decisions you make, you make from that place. Don't make it from your circumstantial place. Now you're living by faith. Now you're walking by faith. Now, like Abram, you're saying, God, I trust what you had said. And I know that you can perform everything that you have promised to me. It's just a question of time. It's a question of preparing my heart to receive it. It's a question of I'm being in a place where I can receive what you have promised. Because sometimes we're not in a place to receive it. Amen. He's for us. He's not against us. He really is for us. Two scriptures. Don't turn there. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, With God, all things are possible. How many of you believe that? So with God, all things are possible. Okay? In Mark 9, 23, he said this, All things are possible to those who believe. So both those scriptures say the same thing. In each one we find the word, all things are possible. In the first one, it applies to God. And the second one applies to those who believe. It's not difficult to agree with the first one, all things are possible with God. But we sometimes struggle with the second one. Yet Jesus tells me, and what he's saying, is that through faith, the things that are possible to God are equally possible to those who believe. And faith is a channel. It's like faith is a currency. Amen. All things are possible to those who believe. Now you can only believe that which he reveals to you. So you can't believe for stuff that he hasn't shown you, hasn't revealed to you. You can't just page through this and pick out a promise and say, oh, I like that promise. That sounds good. When God hasn't revealed it to you. It hasn't become life to you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah, Caden. I'm glad you're here. Yes, okay. It's got to become life to you. I touched on this briefly. How do you know God has spoken to you? You know how you know? You get excited. You read the scripture, and then all of a sudden something becomes, oh, look at that. How many of that has happened to you? Or somebody says something, just one line, or it doesn't matter who it is, and you think, oh, that really hooked into me. That really caught my attention. That's God speaking to you. That's how you know it is. And then you get so excited, you want to phone your friend or your, 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 your wife or your, your husband. You phone, you know what, you know what, you know what. You'll never believe it. I was reading the Bible this morning, and this is what God said, and you're so excited. And the other end of the phone is, oh, that's nice. Because it's not real to them at that point. I understand. That's what, those are the promises that you've got to hang on to. Because those are the ones he's given you. Not just the 6,600 promises in the Bible. Because then we say, but that's what the Bible says, but it hasn't become real to me yet. And then it doesn't happen, and then we struggle. Amen. It empowers. All right. Let's go to Hebrews 11, because Hebrews 11 is the chapter, the real chapter of faith. I would encourage you as a church to go through Hebrews 11 individually. Walk, read Hebrews 11. Read it and read it and read it and read it. It's like the Hall of Fame 
for the, the faith people. Sorry, with one hand I'm struggling here a little bit, but that's okay. All right, let's go. Now, see, the Bible defines this because this word is so uh, big in biblical terms, faith. The Bible defines faith. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Other translations say faith is the substance of what we hope for and the conviction of what we do not see. So the Bible says faith is a substance. Faith is a substance and not just willy-nilly, floaty, feely, touchy. It's a substance. What is that substance? I've already said that. What is it? What is the substance? What is a... Uh, uh, you are the substance. Sorry, I'm not trying to trick you. I'm just trying to engage you. Your faith, but what is the substance of faith? The promise, the word. Hallelujah. Oh, see, you're with me. Faith, you can't see it. So it's something we don't see, but it's the word. It's this made real. Or it's what God spoke. That's the substance. Now I've got it. But in the natural, I can't see it. My eyes can't see it, but I know it inside you. That's my faith. Now I walk by this inside. This is how I walk. I don't walk by my circumstances. I walk by this. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith. Hello? Amen. And as that gets more rooted in me, it empowers me. That's what it does. It stirs something in me. It stirs a strength in me. That's why it says Abram was strengthened in his faith. Why? Because he didn't look, he acknowledged his circumstances, but he focused on the promise of God. That's what he focused on. And so he was strengthened in his faith. And then one day a child came. We were in Alabama. I was in Alabama two years ago. Have I told the story? I forget what I told where. And uh, there were about, on a Saturday afternoon, there were about, um, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 people there. I was doing a teaching, and then I called a couple up for prayer. And when the couple came up for prayer, I looked at them, and I, I felt God say, I want to give them kids. But you don't say that, because maybe they don't want kids. So you ask them, would you like to have kids? They said, yes, we'd love to, but we can't. So I said, what do you mean you can't? They said, well, we've tried and we just, something's not happening. So I said, okay, well, let's pray for you. Let's trust God. If you really desire, it's biblical to have children. Let's trust God for it. Okay. And as I was praying for them, I felt God say, there's a spirit of barrenness in this place. Nobody's fault. So I said, all right, out of the 70 people here, how many couples want to have children? You're trying, but you're unable to. Ten couples put up their hand. Ten. It's 20 people out of 70. So I called them all up. And I said to them, all right, let's trust God. Because I said, I felt God say, see, now I'm stepping out in faith. Why? Because I felt God speak to me. I felt God say, he's going to give you kids. So let's trust him for it. But let's pray for it. If you need to do business with him, in other words, you need to put something right in your life, do that just individually now or with one another. Now let's trust God. And so we prayed, broke a spur in a barrenness. And then I said, now faith without actions is dead, so you need an early night tonight. But anyway, all right, okay. <laughs> so 
18 months later, the pastor phoned me and he said, you'll never believe it. Nine of those couples have had kids. All things are possible for those who believe. All things are possible for those who believe. Aaron knows, my grandson, my oldest grandson, struggles with allergies. Severely. He's now, how old is Michael? Four or five, maybe five. To such a degree, he's EpiPen allergic. If he just touches cheese, you've got to literally put that EpiPen in him. He'll just start closing up. So we all carry EpiPens. He's not allowed to eat cheese or Mary or eggs and nuts. Anything to do with that, he cannot touch. He don't even touch it. Just touch it. It just sets him off. And so Clayton and Jen, he's, that's my son and his wife, have been praying for him and trusting God. And we did a 21-day prayer and fast in our church about two months ago. And one of the things Clayton said, Lord, I'm trusting for you to speak to me about my son Michael. And Clayton told me, Dad, I feel like God says something's going to change with Michael. So I said, great, let's believe that. They were at a meeting probably a month ago. They had been to the allergist because you've got to go every six months and they retest you. You understand what I'm saying? And they do the test. Well, I don't know how they do it or whatever, but they hadn't got the results back yet. And they were at a meeting and somebody was looking after Michael, babysitting. And by mistake, they gave him a... Um, uh, like a muffin that's full of eggs and by mistake they gave him a muffin then they realized what they had done so they phoned Jen and said listen Michael's just eaten half a muffin so Jen panicked obviously I understand she raced back in her car back home she got hold of Clayton he was busy preparing praying and just preparing for the sermon and eventually she got hold of him so that night nothing was happening yet they literally didn't sleep because if a kid falls asleep and all of a sudden things close up, you don't hear it. So they took turns in watching over him as he slept just in case. That Monday, Tuesday, they went back to the allergist to get the results. And the allergist said this. He said, in all my years of doing this, I've never seen a dramatic change like I've seen in your son. He came down from a 10 I don't want, to a 1. She says, I've never, she said, I've never. She said, you people have been praying. I said, we have. She said, because only that can do this. She said, now he's not out of the woods. You can't just give it to him. You've got to slowly get his system used to it. But two or three months down the line, he's going to be eating pizzas and having ice cream. Hallelujah. <laughs> now he can just enjoy what normal kids enjoy. You with me? It's wonderful. God did it. And it wasn't some big lightning bolt so it's just in the course of life God did it it's wonderful God is incredible unbelievable so faith is a substance it's a substance that's deep within us and we've got to hang on to that substance let's carry on reading let's go to verse 6 it says and without faith it's impossible to please God why because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists well, that's why you're all here this morning, because you believe he exists. But it doesn't end there. And he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. Amen. As we spend time seeking him. Let's carry on reading. Let's go to verse 11. 
By faith, Abram, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. Amen. Let's go to verse 20. I love this. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to the future. Another translation puts it this way. With the eyes of faith, Isaac looked far into the future and saw what God had promised to do and blessed them, yeah, with what's coming down the line there. That's why I blessed them. You've just had a baby. You've just had a baby. God, what's your promise over this child? Give me a promise for this child. And then bless them. As the fathers, lay hands on them and bless them. I encourage you to. Declare it when they're sleeping in their room. Lord, you promised this over this child. I'm declaring your promise over this child. Amen. You're calling things that are not as though they are. That's all you're doing. All right, two more verses. Verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. So Joseph, you know the story in Joseph? How he became prince of Egypt. You saw, and we saw that movie, Prince of Egypt, and we know the whole thing and the dreams and whatever, and he saved food to feed everybody because of the famine. And, but he realized when he revealed himself to his brothers, because God gave Joseph a dream. Go to Genesis 37, and he told people his dream, that his brothers and mother and father would bow down to him. But when Joseph knew that the promise of God was to take his people into the promised land, he said to the people, when I die... You've got to take my bones with you. Imagine being a bone carrier. Imagine being the person that had to carry the bones around the desert for 40 years. Or the person that had to carry the bones through the River Jordan. Hang on, hang on. Where's Joseph's bones? Who's carrying the bones through the river? <laughs> because he was so sure that God had promised the promised land to them. That's why it was a faith statement. One more verse. Verse 27. By faith, this is Moses, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. So who did Moses see? Jesus. The Bible says that. He saw him who is invisible, so by faith he persevered. In all that he went through. See, the faith empowered him. That's what I'm trying to say to you. I'm encouraging you here. Let faith empower you. All right, to ground this a little bit. How does this happen? All right, I'll just cut that out and cut that out. Two ways. There's many ways, but two very good ways. Okay, just to help you, to help you. All right. Whatever we focus on grows within us. Whatever we give our attention to grows within us. That's whatever. And so whatever we focus on, we get transformed by. We get impacted by. You with me? So if you keep looking at your sin and your weakness, and you keep looking in that, although you want victory, but you keep looking at your sin and weakness, that's not how you get through it. Because that's what you're focusing on. Oh, I'm so bad in this area. I wish I wouldn't do this. Why do I do this? Oh, man, every day I do this. Every day. What are you focusing on? Your struggle with this issue. Okay. 
Focus on what God has said about you. Focus on what God has promised you, not on your weaknesses. That's why faith turns weaknesses to strength. That's what the Bible says. Amen. So do not so much, it's so much sometimes it's not so much a faith problem as a word problem. Because you don't pray to increase your faith, you've got to hear God to increase your faith. So you've got to know what He's written, what's real to you, so you can take on to it. You, you're with me, folk? I, so, all right. so doubt and weaknesses won't leave, it must be kicked out by truth. So that's why you've got to give your, so give your attention to it. Write it down. That's why in the Old Testament they were told to write it on the doorposts, write it on the walls, write it on this, write it on that. When Clayton was growing up, sorry, I'm using just personal examples because I don't know how to explain it. When Clayton was growing up, he came running through to our room one night. He was about four. And he said, there's something in my cupboard. How many of your kids have been through something like that? Okay, there's something in my cupboard. There's something in my cupboard. Closet. closet. Sorry, sorry, closet. I'm in America, Sorry. And so I would take him at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I would say, come, Clayton, let's go look, my son. And I'd open, I'd see there's nothing there. He says, no, it was there, Dad. I said, all right, okay. And we realized that something's happening, and he's getting a little afraid. So what we did was, we, Michelle, my wife, drew a little train, and the train is pulling these coaches. And in each coach, she wrote a promise of God. So when he'd lie in bed at night, he would read those. And we found over a time, it completely left. That's how he fell asleep, reading the, the thing written on his wall in a train. Hallelujah. We changed his focus. That's what we did. We changed his focus. Okay, so the first thing is focus. The second thing is, how is faith strengthened in you or how are you one is focus how does faith encourage you empower you the second way is to speak it to declare it to sing it to shout it to dance it to write it to whatever <laughs> any expression you can give it give it that's why praise and worship so powerful because you express in who God is you with me it's got to come out your mouth. I said this to you last time. It's got to come out of this, this tongue. It's an incredible faith instrument. Uh, uh, this thing, yeah. Because it speaks. And whatever it speaks, that's what I live in. So you've got to speak it. God, you promised me this. You, I'm declaring this today. You, I know this when I remember the situation. I was in church and you spoke to me and I could just sense it was you and I know this was you and I've written it down and Lord, so I'm just declaring it back to you. Amen? So you've got to focus because that's what Abram did and you've got to speak it and that's what he did. That's how it strengthens inside you. Empowering faith. Because it comes by faith. It doesn't come by, um, I know there's hard work involved. I know we need to be diligent. I know we need to persevere. And, I, and it's, all those things are right. But faith is a real catalyst to walk you into that. Because you can work hard and do everything, but there's no faith. That doesn't happen. Amen. So to encourage you. Thank you.
Faith empowers. Meditate Hebrews 11. I encourage you very much as a church. When I was praying for you, I felt God speak to him about faith. The Bible says not one of the Lord's good promises failed that he gave to the house of Israel. Everyone was fulfilled. Everyone in Joshua. Everyone was fulfilled. Everyone. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. God does not lie. Amen. It's a question of belief from our side. That's what it is. That's what we walk into it. It doesn't happen and we walk into it. Amen. All right. I hope it's been helpful. Yeah.